we are still in this, aren't we? The quarantine, the new normal, whatever you're going to call it, it's still here and we're still in it. We're coping, we're finding our way, but someone who's been documenting his quarantine like no one I've ever seen is actor Adam Goldberg. Showing every bit of humanity that we all have, Adam isn't playing his characters from the movies or shows that we love. He's just being himself, full of humor, empathy, and a bit of craziness. I mean, who's not right now? My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo. My guest this week is actor Adam Goldberg. Adam and I discuss suffering from imposter syndrome, the possibilities of storytelling on Instagram, the draw and downsides of social media, and how acting subsidizes the art he really loves. I think something else that's happening, I'm curious how you felt about this, is especially like people like me, to where I have found a ton of comfort and... Um, encouragement by you know like i was saying watching some old movies but a lot of these were movies that you've been in Mm -hmm. i mean the other night elizabeth and i watched my wife uh we watched saving private ryan well i was gonna say like i can't think of that many movies i was in that 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 are that comforting but (laughs) are you kidding i mean i literally have like 15 in front of me yeah that yeah yeah i mean but we watched saving private ryan and like lost our minds yeah. and it, it unfortunately took me down an even crazier yeah. you know, world war ii rabbit hole and stuff yeah but, yeah yeah i mean in a lot of way I'm, I'm i am curious like how that makes you feel in the sense that even though you're kind of going through this own inner turmoil of isolation and and, and sometimes loneliness so much of the art that you've done has been keeping people from feeling that way oh i don't know that hasn't really i, I haven't really the I, I that never crossed my mind the only the thing that 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 has been interesting is is because i've been so active on instagram that the feedback i've gotten from you know it's probably i don't know uh maybe 20 30 40 50 people i don't know who knows um it's more than that but that's okay but you know what i mean like in terms of like what like if you know you start to see the same sorts of people respond over and over right, again right. it's not it's not it's not thousands of people but um but the feedback has been so intense, like, I mean, really intense, some of which I shared very early on, but it was, that was kind of more people about, you know, sort of inviting people to share their stories and, you know, in terms of what they were going through mm-hmm. in, in, in quarantine. And this was just, I mean, now this seems like child's play. This was in the first month, maybe. Yeah. But, Who um, knew? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like I did know, but, but that, you know, but that's another story. Like I, when everyone was like, Oh, we're going to be doing this for two weeks. I was like, how do you, what do you don't just like kill the, and then that's, but anyway, yeah. um, until there was a vaccine, I was like, I don't see any way out of this, but I think we were all having to compartmentalize. So we didn't fucking go crazy because you yeah. can't conceive of a year. Now it's pretty easy to conceive of because we've been through so many months, but yeah, but 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 the feedback where people really felt like they're like kind of less alone because we've been you know sort of sharing so much of our own kind of just the banality really of everyday life, not not necessarily anything extraordinarily. Um, like what's it? What's an example? Unique. Jeez, I mean, I've had everything from you know, like I watch you know we we watch this stuff every night you know before we go to bed. My husband and I watch in the morning you know with our coffee you know. Um, like just this kind of part, like it's, you know, become part of people's sort of routine. Um, I mean, it's stuff where people have felt incredibly lonely, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 uh, you know, they would say things like no pressure, but please keep these going. And in fact, <laughs> I, I feel a lot of now I feel a lot of pressure because honestly, I don't really want to be doing it, but I, the reason I don't want to be doing it is more just because, you know, I'd. I mean, I've, I've always been very ambivalent about the idea of, you know, exposing, uh, I mean, I'm some, I'm a weird cross between incredibly private and like, and, and also extremely revealing, open, revealing. Yeah. But the, yeah. A, a, an exhibitionist, I'm a weird cross between mm. like, uh, like an exhibitionist and, and a recluse. But I mean, I've always been like this. I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, my, you know, in, in, uh, uh, I mean, my senior project in high school was a film about making a senior project that was making fun of other people's senior projects. So, I mean, I was always like, you very know, Kaufman, se- several degrees removed from, uh, from, from reality while it was all very much based on my, my own life. And so yeah. I've, I've always sort of uh, kind of like kind of lived in that um, kind of weird, you know, sort of middle 
world. But yeah, um, because uh, way before the pandemic, too, you even when we you know did our first chat through mm-hmm. this, you had been making hilarious, incredible Instagram stories mm-hmm. of things like from where I'm just gonna for so the listeners know like there was one you I don't know what you were filming, but I believe you were like in Arizona. And there was an issue with the light flickering oh, in yeah, your yeah. hotel room. Yeah. And it turned into, I would say, a good 25 minutes of content over right. the course of yeah. three, four days about how you're navigating this agonizing blinking light and what right. you're doing. I mean, yeah. it was it's hilarious. Yeah. So, right. Albuquerque, which is okay, yeah. Albuquerque, which has yeah, been like, yeah, it's one of the least unpleasant. Uh, I mean, it's one of the most unpleasant. I don't know. I, I well, you fooled to, everyone I, else. I talked too funny. much shit about Albuquerque, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, because pri- that was just two weeks in Albuquerque. Prior to that, we were all sort of living there for a summer, and that was just a fucking pit of hell. But um, <laughs> so uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's it, the people that like we befriended there were like, we can't stand it. We got to get out of here, and they live there. Um, always said like they somehow ended up there, or like they had to be there, or like they were right. born there, they can't get out. Um, yeah. The only person I know who loves it is Mark Maron. Um, but uh, <laughs> That's true. That's his hometown, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't even go back to live there. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've always been interested in the idea of creating stories out of, out of my life. I mean, that was sort of what I thought I was going to be doing essentially for a living, which were, which would be making these extremely self-reflexive movies. And mm-hmm. while I've made three of them, they're not, you know, uh, you know, they weren't successful in a kind of mainstream, you know, monetary way. So that's, that's, uh, in a weird way, this kind of Instagram thing is sort of, I mean, it's kind of ironic, you know, you can make these sorts of spontaneous, you know, sort of quasi, uh, you know, sort of verite sort sorts of narratives, and and immediately expose them to two thousand people, uh, which I, I mean, I'd be curious to sort of like if I enumerated all the people that had seen my movies, uh, how that would compare. Same with my music, you know, I I've recorded four records, and if I were to post a song of mine on Instagram today, that would probably garner more listeners than I've had. Uh, you know, on Spotify or whatever, you know, it's, 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 you mean a, the, the Goldberg sisters stuff? Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I don't, don't know about that. Um, well, but... I could tell you, I could tell you for no, a fact. It's okay. Here, look, I could look up on Spotify. I mean, I can look, let's see, I could look, here, let's look at an email and look up. Uh, are you, are you going to go to your Spotify artist page? Well, I'll just look because you know the, those. Yeah, I'm not sure how accurate some of those stats Is, are, it, but are they not? I don't know. They always tell you that, oh, you did great, uh, this month. I, I don't know why it's always better than the when they, Oh, July was full of high notes. Hey, Ooh, there you oh, go. Oh, I had 178 listeners. That's 34% more than 2020. So if I do it today, I, hey. I'll, I'll have had, if I put some, like a song on my Instagram account, that's 40,000 listeners. So, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're, course, fi- it's, you're finding, it's, for- it's forcing them at gunpoint to listen, but it's, <laughs> but it's still, it's still listening. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that is something, I mean, the, the recent Goldberg sisters album was really, really good. And it's like oh, you kind of have these, these, and I mean this in the most complimentary way. These kind of like Eno esque ambient soundscapes that are mm-hmm. going on during an actual pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's 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 funny that you would say that because uh, while I have wanted someone to pick up on that, I don't know that anyone has ever uh, put it quite like that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, Beatles esque, blah blah blah. But Eno is a huge, not just a huge influence, although yes. There, he he was a he's always. I think it's big. the piano and the Lennon esque voices when you when you right. uh, sure. jump into like little falsetto things here well, and there. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, as I've said, I you know, I kind of can't help the way I guess sing, and then once you start double tracking your vocals, then it's like, but um, but the the uh, yeah, I go to sleep every single night to this uh, forty five minute, uh, you know ambient uh piece neroli it's actually the bonus track on neroli um and i listen and it's all night long it's on a loop whoa how max richter of you (laughs) (laughs) well i i am not a great sleeper and you know and but it doesn't seem to upset anybody any of the other 11 people in our bed so uh (laughs) so yeah it just kind of keeps 
keeps on going, keeps on going, keeps on going. But it's um, and it's what I'll listen to in my headphones on the plane. It's what I'll listen to if I'm having any kind of anxiety uh, on a set or something like that. You know? When you had made that, were you was that the 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 goal of what you were making? Um, the the record, the last record. Yeah. Well. I mean, I've always liked big musical interludes, so that's just a natural kind of thing. For I don't know. I mean, you know, no, it was never it, that wasn't conscious. I think if anything, um, you know, once I when I first began kind of recording stuff, which was really in the early '90s, but you know, on four track and that kind of thing, um, I just liked. Well, first of all, I didn't. I never knew how to play very well. I didn't know a lot of changes. I didn't learn other people's songs. So mm-hmm. you know, I would just experiment a lot with sound. And so when I first started playing, you know, like I probably knew how to play E minor and F, you know, which are actually two of my favorite. Hey, there you go. You got to get that suspended F so you can yeah. get that nice open. Well, well yeah. So I play it. <laughs> I, I play an F seven something, but, oh. uh, and, uh, I've never been good at barring. So I end up coming up with, you know, more chords that are more interesting than I know how to name. But, um, and so I, uh, I uh, would just play things on a loop, basic, essentially. You know, this mm-hmm. is before I had a loop pedal and all of that. Once I started fucking around with a loop pedal, then that stuff really became big, got, got big, you know, sort of was brought to the fore because yeah. um, then it really became about layering and layering and layering. And I just like love getting lost in these kinds of sonic landscapes. I mean, I sort of always say that like, the songs, for the most part, especially as I've you know as I've as I've gotten older and more interested in in the kind of craft of songwriting and 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 you know trying to differentiate you know you know one song from another, um, you know I became and like more interested in sort of like Burt Backrack than Sonic Youth, you know. Which oh, is, whoa, whoa! There you, you know, go. Um, but somehow trying to combine these these influences. Um, that's that then i would sort of say well the song at its most basic is yeah it's a song you can play on guitar and these are the changes or whatever on piano um but like to put it in a space you know some sort of room in a sound space in a soundscape or whatever um but yeah i mean there's at least and i do it kind of less on this record i'm trying to remember there's one record i think it's the second the first one that's actually called the goldberg sisters but the second record i made where there's outro like these like you know outros that just are just musical outros that go on and on and on at the end of every single one of the yeah uh, songs or whatever but um but to answer your question the last time Andrew Lynch my my engineer and, and co-producer said and I were really referencing we would talk about Eno a lot we would talk about um low there was a period where we were tr- we were using some of the same effects that you know, um, were you uh, doing the oblique strategies cards? No, no, nothing. No, not, no. I mean, quite literally like what pedal, what not what pedal, but what preamp was he using? What, um, you know, how was he getting the sound, you know, getting that sound out of his, out of his voice, you know, where he would, um, you know, and he would pitch things down and, and, and then layer them and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that stuff ended up sort of receding and it became more of a kind of a conceptual influence rather than something quite so literal. Um, Mm. Uh, I kind of feel like in the end, you can only sort of sound like yourself anyway, even if that sound reminds other people of, of, of things like there's a song on the on the second record called Difference Between. And that was very much that was the first time where I was where I had looked up. I was re- I was looking up. I don't remember what Backrack song, but I was really um, following a similar sort of chord progression. I had written. And this is not normally how I write. I usually just sit there and play music and then I kind of come up with uh, extemporaneous lyrics and some of them stick and they remind me of, uh, and then they, you know, they, it turns into some sort of stream of consciousness thing and, and then mm-hmm. I'll replace the lyrics later and sometimes not. But in this particular case, on that second record, I remember very specifically that I had like a, it was a poem. It wasn't a song, but it was, mm-hmm. a, uh, and, and I thought, hmm, how can I set this to music? And I looked up some Burt Backrack changes and I said, okay, I'm going, I want this to be my don't make me over, which is, you know, this like Dionne Warwick, uh, well, it's a Burt Backrack song, but the one, but she made it famous. And it's one of my favorite recordings, period. Don't make me over. Like I had started to write a movie called don't make me over. I was so sort of taken by this, um, 
recording and sort of what it's about, everything. And um, and then in the end, I was like, it still sounds like fucking Plastic Ono. I mean, there was nothing I could do <laughs> to make it sound like I, I, I had. You seem the, disappointed by that, though. Why is well, that? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying, you know, it's like I had, I was just, there was this incredibly dense. Well, first of all, there's overlap between those worlds because he's working with Phil Spector. So it's not. Yeah. So all these things begin to overlap. Right. But uh but I mean, these very dense string arrangements and horn arrangements and um, and still in the end, it's just it sounds like me <laughs> or, you know, you do realize that, like, that is the number one goal that every musician truly wants is I want to have all these influences and I want to learn from all these people, but I still want to sound like myself at the end of the day. Right, right. And and, and I feel like over time, um that like I, I I feel kind of confident that that's happened. I mean, though the world, you know, uh, at large doesn't know this because that's not you know it's not they're not you know it's not like I've become a a, a, a popular you know uh, musician per se. But I uh, for me, I finally kind of feel comfortable in my skin. But it's you mm-hmm. know I'm about to push fifty, and and you know I I like you know I was I had a band you know that I was putting bands together and in my twenties. But it never felt, it always felt, I mean, I had big, I mean, big time imposter syndrome. And the funny thing about being in your 20s is you can have that imposter syndrome, but you're also have a much more devil may care and, 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 and you're much more, um, uh, you know, you have a, you have, you just have a much bigger ego, I think, or I did anyway. And so I would play all these gigs, but like, whereas now I actually wouldn't but my music is just so much stronger. It's laughable. So but are I, you talking yourself into playing these gigs right now? I mean, cause it, it sounds like that. Oh no, no. I mean, no. I mean the last record I did the bare minimum that I had you to did do the art show, right? Did my art show. I'm a photographer, you know, because the, the book was the record was a book as well. So mm-hmm. it seemed inevitable. I would have to kind of, kind of combine those worlds in some sort of presentation. And then, uh, and then I had to do some, you know, look, I hired a publicist. And so if I don't do something, you know, so Andrew and I did these kinds of stripped down live versions of yeah. songs that are, you know, have a hundred tracks on them. So it's, <laughs> it always just feels a little, you know, so they would become the kind of loop pedal I- iterations of these things. And then you're limited to the songs that you can pull off that way. So you have to find the songs that don't have tons of changes. I mean, I know some people can do that, but I'm not fucking Andrew Bird. So um, <laughs> oh, good callback. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's, but on that note, it's, it's funny because on the subject of imposter syndrome, it's, you know, I'm curious how you kind of navigate your way through that because on paper and from everyone else's point of view, especially my own, you have created an, by all means, continue to live the the quintessential artist life and that you're an actor, but you're at a position now where it feels like you're only doing the work that you really want to. You've made some incredible films. You've made incredible music. You are a photographer. I mean, you, and and now it's seeping through your entire family, in which your son's quite the photographer. Too. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, what, what that's, 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 that's really like been really uh, amazing. I always kind of wondered what would happen and frankly it seemed kind of inevitable if my kid was a more successful iteration of myself and by that you know i'm using you know sure you know widely accepted i mean that is the goal though right well i guess it is but i don't think i knew that till i had kids in other words Mm, i I assumed i assumed i would be and these are such tacky examples but like i would look at like you know, like Zoe Deschanel's dad or something, or like Gwyneth Paltrow's dad would be like, did they feel sure. strange that, you know, they'd worked so hard for so long and their last name is now associated with their kids or whatever. But then you have kids and you're like, all you want is for them to be as wildly fulfilled and successful as possible. So when you start to see these sorts of like glints, you know, um, I mean, frankly, the heartbreaker really is is that Bud is an extraordinarily good little baseball player who has absolutely no interest in playing with other kids. So hmm. <laughs> um, now, well, for again, now, he's five, of course, of course. But yeah. he's been just like w- like weirdly good since he was, 
you know, now that I have a, another little boy who's about to be two, it's like, no, Bud is like, was, is, was weirdly good. I mean, he's just like weirdly good at playing and weirdly good at comprehending the game and sitting through nine innings of baseball when he was now seems crazy, but he two and a half, you know, three years old going mm-hmm. to baseball games and fully, I mean, that's very rare. I've sat through a, a crazy amount of Cardinals games when I was a little kid and I would eventually just wander around Bush Stadium. Yeah, like I didn't know what I was doing. Now, now he's interested in the commercials. Like now he's like, oh, look how they're shooting up there. And then they, and then, you know, they dissolve to blah, blah, blah. So, you know, but the idea, you know, the fact that he's picking up on, on, you know, all this and, and, but it was the same with photography. I mean, I was just looking at old pictures of Bud and he had a camera and he's two and a half and he's, you know, walking around with it. And, um, and, and I, I feel like, oh, wow, am I seeing, cause it was around the time I turned six where I began to sort of, um, be really interested in movies and movie making and mm. and, pl- and plays um, and that kind of stuff. So uh, it's quite possible that what you're seeing now is what you're going to get. But to kind of get back to what you were saying about, yeah, some part of me, it's like when I'm trying to sort of not give myself a hard time, I'm like, okay, you know, you're living an artist's life. and um, But I also feel like, you know, I, I often wish that that I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I often wish there was just one or two things I was really, really interested in and focused on and that I could um, get really, 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 really good at and um, and uh, and monetize. Um, You're and that, kind of repeating I, your life right now. I'm that were it. I'm trying to I'm trying to distinguish the difference of what you're saying versus what you're living. Well, because I think I guess like well because because if you cut acting out of the equation, okay. you know I would just be robbing banks or whatever. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not saying that that's a bad. I mean, in fact, uh, look, you know, most well, I guess I, I think what I'm saying also is just that it, it's a bit of a cheat to sort of say like, well, if I were truly living an artist. I, I, again, I'm, I'm playing sort of devil's advocate here. This is but, fine. But but if if I were truly living an artist's life, I'd be living. We'd be living in a one room apartment, and we'd be, you know, and and it wouldn't be like, oh shit, it's it's. I'm gonna. Well, okay, I'll take the show, and I'm gonna go play Queen Latifah's hacker on the Equalizer, which is what I'm about to go do. I don't know. I guess it's 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 a weird cross between living a very luxurious artist's life, but also not being able to fully immerse myself in the life of an artist because I do have to do this thing, which has very little, which has a per, kind of a peripheral association with art, which is to act mm-hmm. in things that I don't, you said that I want to, but really it's things that I have to do um, more often than not. And, um, and so that it kind of reminds one of what it is to be an artist, but really it's a get, it's a job that helps you subsidize, you know, you know, allow that, that kind of allow you to be, an artist and is that truly being an artist like i i don't know i mean well let me i mean obviously being an artist is being an artist but 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 it's but it's but it's um you know the other thing is i think i've spent way too much time on twitter the last few weeks to have this conversation in a sort of objective way just just well you're a bit of a lightning rod on twitter for some folks yeah (laughs) so i i i think it's actually like getting to me it's sort of wearing me down i'm losing kind of perspective delete Uh, the app man just just walk on i really fucking wish i could you can you control your own destiny with with what apps are installed on your phone yeah i know the problem (laughs) is and to quote myself before i actually knew really what twitter was because i think i said 140 words but I was like, it's the full, you know, it's the full marriage of, 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 uh, it's the marriage of, you know, full tilt narcissism and, uh, and voyeurism and 140, I think I said words, but characters and, or now 280. And, you know, I'm too much of a voyeur and an egomaniac. I mean, I can't, which well, is recognizing which, is, is part, is part of the problem and a way to make amends yeah. move forward. <laughs> But it is true. There's at this point, there's very little I'm getting out of it. I mean, I'm now like, it's like you're trying to, and, and then you're trying to sort of put, you know, sort of push the needle in, in in a certain direction politically, and it's just, it's just. Oh yeah, that that's a challenge. And you're and look, what's to me? You're a celebrity, so people already have assumptions about who you are, what you do, based on art that you've made, and that's something unfortunately you 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 can't really escape from. 
Yeah, I mean, it's what's it's it's what's also made it difficult to just you know say, look, if I could if I could fully cash out of you know being an actor, okay, uh, and do the other stuff, so that I was doing the other stuff longer, (laughs) ultimately, and 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 you know, so it essentially usurped the amount of time and effort and whatever I've spent as you know acting i think i i could i could start to compartmentalize a little bit better but when it's all sort of just a mishmash it's 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 hard not to sort of feel constantly uh uh being defensive about how much or little i work as an actor um because it's not something i fully control and very and i would say you know 0.1 percent of the one percent of the population that that even uh you know can make a living as an actor or 1% of the union or whatever that statistic is, uh, controls their career, you know, you know, here's, so I recently on what you're saying, I recently finished the Walter Isaacson, uh, book about Da Vinci, Mm -hmm. which for the most part is, is, uh, exciting, but also a bit of a, of a revisionist history on Da Vinci in the Mm -hmm. sense that a lot of people thought he was this and this, but really Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, painting, which is what he's the most known for, he basically did to offset the income that he wasn't getting from all the things that he truly loved. Uh-huh. So like he had the he had the the foresight to be like, okay, the world really likes my painting mm-hmm. and I can do it and I can do it pretty well. And so I can make a very healthy living on painting and that's gonna give me the opportunity to dead serious to stare at the water and measure right. tides and, right, right. and think about that stuff. And in a weird way, especially towards the last days of his life, he counts that as like, this is this is what made me have a great life, was mm-hmm. that he was able to be, even though he wanted to be, unfortunately, a war architect, which is pretty fucked up, but yeah. um, like, even though that's what he wanted to do, and that was what he kind of viewed as his higher power calling, he recognized that he was making his living and even his notoriety off of painting. And mm-hmm. in most cases, painting from like very wealthy families who are like, Hey, can you paint my daughter or my wife? And he was like, uh-huh. really like this ass clown? Are you, <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. just like, and that in a weird way was very inspiring and somewhat liberating for me in the sense that's like, okay, if the world wants me to do X and I can make a living off of some of that stuff, even though it may not be why, why I wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. it's going to give me the ability to do the things that drive me and actually, mm-hmm. you know, like, give me the most joy. Mm-hmm, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious how, how you feel about that. Cause it sounds like, and some of the stuff you're saying is that sometimes the acting is like, look, I'm going to get paid, but then I can, then I can go take photos or I can write that next record. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm con- I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether I should be admitting this or not, but when I, when I go to work on certain things, I, I calculate the amount of money that I'm making that day. And or, as a as a motivator to literally get out of bed i mean you know oftentimes it's because it's 5 30 in the morning and i need <laughs> whatever i can get to to motivate me to get out of bed but um i mean look i you know again this just goes back to being a kid i mean i had i had started making films and started seriously considering being a filmmaker when i was 15 years old so i mean that's you know um 35 years ago and mm-hmm. um you know, I made my first film, wrote and directed my first film when I was 25. And um, that's where I thought, I, that's what I thought I'd be doing. I mean, it's not much more complicated. And that's what I thought I would be doing. I mean, I thought, or at least that's what I had hoped that I would be doing. And I, I and that eventually, you know, and that the acting would be a, a, a component of, of that, mm-hmm. uh, of, of what I, what it was that I did to make a living but that it wouldn't be the um, primary thing, I guess. Mm. Um, and, you know, I always viewed filmmaking as this kind of all-encompassing art. I mean, it's, it's and, and so it's really only truly when I'm doing that, that everything is sort of firing. And the rest of the time, um, I'm compromising, you know. If you see me wearing a watch these days, it's from none other than Topper Jewelers. Family owned and operated for three generations, Topper Jewelers has long been the source for premium Swiss and Japanese luxury watches, 
from Omega to Grand Seiko, serving Silicon Valley's passionate watch community and beyond. But Topper also specializes in pre-owned watches, carrying a deep selection of references from Rolex, Tudor, Breitling, and many, many more. And that selection changes every week. And if you're subscribed to Topper's email newsletter, which is pretty dope, by the way, you get access to four secret editions to their pre-owned drop every Friday morning, giving you right of first refusal on the hottest offerings of the season. So visit topperjewelers.com to shop, subscribe, and join Topper's very own watch fam. Huge thanks to Topper for sponsoring this season. Visit topperjewelers.com and shop, subscribe, and join the Topper Jeweler Watch Fam. Yeah, I mean, that that's fine and that makes sense because at least at the end of the day, you still get to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, well, a you form know, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are times where I'll be editing something and I just will think, geez, it would be nice just to be editing, just to be editing, like literally mm-hmm. just physically just to be putting images together. Cause I think it's probably my favorite part of the filmmaking process. I mean, I, I, there's an incredibly intense, you know, ulcer inducing amount of stress and anxiety that I, I always wonder when I, when I see directors who aren't experiencing this on set, uh, if the thing is, I mean, I, either they've reached some kind of form of enlightenment or the thing is going to be a piece of garbage because they're not <laughs> giving themselves a hard enough time. Um, and uh, but I it's it's an incredibly stressful experience. But the editing, well, also stressful and maddening. And, and, and there are things you can't change, um, you know, is this can be this, you know, meditative, almost sort of, you know, Zen like. Uh, experience. It's like, you know, sitting there and putting a jigsaw puzzle together and depending how much or little you like doing that or how um, facile you are with that. But that's something that I've always felt like um, I was kind of good at. I think of my music really as the same way. I record a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's why I'm not great at playing live um because you know it but if but i if i record a bunch of shit and i make sense of it later and and it's mm. a, that's a, that's an environment i've always felt the most comfortable in and acting really isn't that i mean acting is very much you know giving giving over uh giving oneself over to a, an, another person um in many ways you're you're made or broken by um either the director or the editor I mean, and, uh, you know, you don't have much control over it. What you have, you have in that moment. And in that way, it's a very expressive um, kind of muscular art form. Um, But it's always, I always kind of likened it to more like playing sports, I guess. Um, It's always felt a little bit more like, um, you know, physical exercise. Mm. I don't know that after a scene, let's say, where I had a, it could be anything. It could be, you know, I did the show Taken where, you know, all, all I was essentially, I had 10 pages to, sh- I, I shot once or twice a week, but it would be 10 pages in a day, which is a lot. I mean, it's a lot to shoot in a day. And What's and an I, average that you would shoot in a day? If you well, like. you know, like, I mean, it could be anything on TV shows that, that that's often what you're going to be shooting in a day or six pages. So, but, but because I was isolated, I was playing a, a computer hacker mm-hmm. and I was talking into like this, you know, or talking into the air because, you know, <laughs> right. and with pretend people talking back to me, you know, while they're out there fucking shooting guns or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and, and, um, and I'm just fucking spouting statistics and, and information and, and, and it became a real, um, uh, it was just a, it became an exercise. Can you do this? Can you a memorize it? Mm. Can, and can you, can you say any of this kind of absurd bullshit with any degree of realism at all? And so it became this kind of like, uh, both a physical exercise and a, and a, a kind of a cerebral exercise. And, you know, when you've done it, I don't know that it feels that much different than doing 30 push ups. you know? There's like a release. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, uh, and an endorphin you, high. You yeah, get all, yeah. Yeah. And you're sort of satisfied with yourself. If you, in fact you are the truly creative work is, it's just a, it, you know, is a, is, is a, le, is a, it, to me is a less immediate, you know, sort of uh, form of expression. I mean, mm. I've been, I've been, especially like, you know, I've been writing a lot lately and, and, and it's been weird because it's sort of been the first time in many years where I've written something that though it was my idea, we pitched and sold, uh, congratulations to, oh, thanks. I mean, yeah, thanks. I mean, I will see if it becomes anything, but you know, but where it's, it's, and then it becomes a job, right? Because then it's now I'm just sort of 
And I have nobody to blame but myself. I didn't have to go in on that meeting and I didn't have to pitch that concept. But then it really becomes this, this, uh, it becomes, you know, laborious. And it's been very weird, like I said, because you have kids coming in and blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's like I'm grabbing a few lines here and then going upstairs and I'm grabbing a few lines there and then I'm working from 10 o'clock till two in the morning and, um, and sleeping in and poor Roxanne is having to deal with the kids in the morning. You know, there's us. So it's, 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 it's feel, it's felt like a very particularly strange time to, again, to try and be sort of, um, self-motivating, but that form of writing becomes a, uh, then it's a weird cross between it's, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's, it's actually, it's weird when, when the thing, which is the most, uh, one of the most deeply expressive parts of yourself becomes a job. Like, in other words, I'm never happy. And so it's like, so, so like if I'm making music in my basement or whatever, uh, then I'm, I'm at some sort of peace, but if, but if then I'm, I'm, but I have to sort of promote it in some way, then it becomes a job. If I'm coming, you enjoy the process, not the product. Yeah. Although lately I haven't been enjoying the process, but I think (laughs) partly because the process is on a deadline, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's in a weird way. I, I, I'm curious too, like. Sometimes the time constraint influences the design of the final product. Yeah, totally. But yeah. also can make can make the final product. You know, you you it's there, and you get to walk away from it. You yeah. know, I, even to go back to the Da Vinci stuff, a lot of times because Da Vinci was was so was not satisfied with the work that he did. One, he would just stop it and not finish mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. which was dumb. And mm-hmm. then two, he would keep it and keep working at it and trying to refine it more and more. And even as he died, he was like, oh, like the Mona Lisa wasn't done. When dude was carrying around for 10 years and like right. just going at it over and over again. Like, dude, it was right. done. It's right. done. Right. Yeah. And in fact, guess what? Everyone messed it up and they accidentally wiped their eyebrows off. The Mona Lisa doesn't have eyebrows because someone messed up. Is that true? <laughs> I swear to God. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, someone just wiped it off on accident. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's fascinating. Um, well, that's, what's been kind of, uh, it sounds kind of dumb, but that's, what's been sort of pure about this Instagram shit because I have not been cataloging it in any way. I mean, so my friend wrote me the other day, this is amazing. You were basically writing memoirs in real time. I said, yeah, except I don't have it cataloged. I can't, I mean, you can use their archiving function or whatever, but that's a fucking mess and it's really laborious. And yes, somewhere in the ether, these little fucking numbers and bits exist, but it's not like when you would make a film and you're holding it in a can or even my photographs, which I'm surrounded by, Mm. that get scanned. Um, You know, it's why I I barely count the digital photography that I've taken to to, uh, chronicle my kids. I I give much credence to because... um, I can't, I don't know, you know, I'm just, I've never been a super organized person, but I at least can look at something and figure out, like, go to the container store. Like, that makes sense to me. But, like, I have 87 hard drives and 57 laptops and, you know, and uh, I don't know where all this shit is. And I don't know if it's going to mean anything. But in a weird way, that makes it kind of pure. I'm making, you know, every night I'm... You know, to varying degrees, sometimes more lazy affair than others, but but trying to construct some narrative out of the day, and then it's gone. It's gone in twenty four hours. It's like the it's like mm-hmm. the it's like the fucking social media equivalent of a Zen garden or something. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's amazing. There's something nice about it. I mean, it's definitely as many things that I do that are. I mean, like Vine, you know, was a is 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 a prime example of this. Well, I'm I mean, glad I, you haven't moved to TikTok, or have you? Now I tried it a couple times and I and I thought I did some interesting things with it, but of course no, nobody else did. So yeah, I, uh, but you know I I started uh, fucking around with Vine in the first couple of weeks and 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 I became really interested in this kind of limitation and what I could do in and and this incredibly short amount of time. It was actually the closest to a sort of social media breakthrough I've ever had. You know, I was getting calls to do. Uh, I was getting. Uh, uh, I, I did more interviews about Vine in the first couple of months of Vine than I probably did in years for any project. Uh, including, really? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, it was crazy. Um, I mean, NPR, you know, Wired, you know, uh, I mean, media 
was different by this point, but, um, right. but I mean, I, this was while I was making records and stuff and I would hire publicists and I could, you know, uh, and it was like a fucking, you know, uh, you know, a pebble in a, in a, in a, you know, in an ocean. Um, and in this case, that's like, like bad beach boys paraphrasing, but, um, but, uh, that that's as close to like a kind of a social media celebrity or, or as close to social media, you know, celebrity as, as that I, as I'd ever gotten, I was paid to go to France to go do, uh, uh, vines for, uh, uh, orange, uh, the cellular phone company, you know, yeah, yeah. but there was something about this and, you know, this, this limitation and, and later that, you know, so I would sp- stay up all night and I would make these things and it was before you could edit them kind of post facto. And so, you know, you have to, you, and, and I would try and figure out ways where you could sort of, um, kind of visually and orally hack it because there mm-hmm. was no, again, there was no sort of post-production you could do on them. And, um, and, you know, later that year, I would end up making my third feature after having not made one for many years. And I always wonder whether or not there was something about just keeping that muscle so sort of lubricated. Oh, that's a gross <laughs> image that, um, well, it, that led to that, you know, well, what you were making was design within constraints, right? And, oh, yeah, and I, sure, I do yeah. wonder if maybe you should just invent your own constraints to help push mm-hmm. forward the products that you're making. I think it's tough because if you imply those rules and it's yeah. not someone else on you, obviously yeah. everyone wants to break their own rules, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried to do things like that where it's like, okay, I have till this time to get this stuff done and mm-hmm. whatever my final product is at that time, that's what's delivered. Mm-hmm. And then you move on. And yeah. sometimes it's freeing. The only time I really ever let like something kind of get away from me. And I don't really even think of it that way. It was just a, it was just a different product, but was with the last record because I really did want to, there were more interruptions. There were work interruptions that Mm. were just unavoidable. Um, I had gone, I think that last record I had done two different TV series while still making that record, even if that meant taking several months off, but you know, before that record had finished, whereas prior to that, I was able to uh, uh, and finish the photography book. So that, you know, but prior to that, I said, okay, I have essentially X amount of time. I have a month off. I'm going to record everything. Okay. Here's another month. We're going to mix it. And here's another month and we're going to, you know, master it or three weeks or two weeks or whatever it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree that, that, that one has to do that, but I could see, yeah, this was starting to turn into, you know, like my, uh, you know, smile or whatever, or, you know, there's this, this guy. Oh, who, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of my favorite bands is this band Midlake. Uh, and, and Dude, uh, yeah, I know Midlake. I mean, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Cause we got to talk about the demise of, well, go ahead. Go well, ahead, right. Go so, so, uh, you know, the, the sort of front man leaves and, um, I mean, that's a whole other story about what those guys, um, managed to do without him. But, but he's supposedly been making this record. Yes. For. I think I even paid for part of it. I think I did like, I don't yeah, know if he, he did like a crowdfunding thing or a Patreon he's thing. He's got a website and it yeah. just kind of has these sort of lame updates. He like moved in with his with his mom mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. I mean. Because just so listeners are aware, there was a band called Midlake. They were a University of North Texas band, which is phenomenal music school. Um, they did an amazing album called Van Occupanther. Yeah, that's their which sort was, of pinnacle, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of like disbanded a bit, but they were very like Fleetwood Mac kind of mid-70s. And then the, the last album or so, I don't know, they were on, originally on Bella Union, and then they kind of came and did their own thing, but it was Eric Polito who is one mm-hmm. of the main guys in the band. And they kind of, Midlake is now him singing, because I right. think Antiphon was the last one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, people can look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. And now but, Eric yeah. has another band. Yes. Um... But yeah, um, and uh, he's and I know him a bit. In fact, I owe him a. I'm supposed to do this Polaroid thing that he's associated with. Uh, well, there you go. It's like a Polaroid convention thing, but they're doing it virtually this year. But um, and he just wrote me yesterday, and he because months ago they the guy wrote me, but I was like, oh god, shit, quarantine. Um, <laughs> no, I have no sense of time. Um, but uh, yeah, you were talking about but, Midlake. Sorry. Yeah, but I just. Uh, that can't be healthy. Whatever he's doing, because let me tell you something. That record could be the most brilliant record that was ever made, and I still don't know that that's like. I mean, I mean, there's no you can't. There's no you can't quantify that stuff 
Um, and so at some point, what am I trying to say? Well, it's like what you're saying. You, you either, you're either doing it for people to listen or you're not. And if you're enjoying that process and you can afford that process, then fine. But if you're just going mad, mm-hmm. then, then that's not, uh, it's not benefiting anybody. And I don't know. I mean, maybe he's, I don't know. I actually really don't know the first thing about him. Um, well, so there's, there's, uh, two different, like, artistic styles that you're talking so you have like the leonard cohen mindset and then you have what is it um like paul simon or or or, um oh doggone or like bob dylan right Mm -hmm. so one one says the song is never done the song is never done you know Mm -hmm. hallelujah has like 400 different verses to it Mm -hmm. and bob dylan's like just write another song right right because you're still you you're still the artist and you can still create more it's just write another song right Right. Um, Easier and, said than done when you're Bob Dylan, but that's... <laughs> of course. And and um, and I kind of can't imagine what the pressure would be like to, to I don't know, let's say have made an, a record that, like, you know, had made this kind of... I mean, I, I experienced it's just... I, I, I can kind of understand it a little bit, because even when I was making uh, my second record, I thought, okay, this is somehow important because the first record had come out and I had to sort of deal with all the bullshit... <laughs> that one, one, one deals with when, you know, they're an actor who's put a record out, but it's like, I got past that, but now there might be people who are actually, you know, paying attention. I mean, you know, I, I, there was this kind of self-awareness that didn't exist when I was recording before, because the first time I was recording my first record I put out was essentially a re-edit and compilation of several recordings I had been doing for many, mm. many years and so, and those were just simply because I wanted to record them. They had no uh, ulterior goal. And so, once you have an interior, you know, you have a, you, you, you know that it's going to be a finished product and it's going to be released. Um, you know, that can be very stressful. But if you, but obviously, if you let that prevent it from ever being a completed piece of art, whatever mm. that means, then what is the fucking point? Um, yeah. If the idea is to make something that that you share with other people. At some point, you have to share it, and at some point, also, it's not—it's not going to be representative of, of any particular artistic period in your life. I mean, it's not going to right. be a document of that time, yeah. Um, which I think is part of what it is to be an artist, however painful that is. You got to birth that shit, and um, and and then then do it again. Otherwise, I don't think you have much. I mean, I'm glad that Malik got out of whatever it was that he. I mean, I don't. I, again, I don't. I actually don't. Terrence know much. Malik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really what his story was exactly, but you know, I get that it made each one of those movies a million times more precious than the movies he's made subsequently. But um, I also know that that's got to be a strange way to live artistically to not have a sort of artistic document that represents all these various periods of your artistic development. Mm. Seems to me to be um, kind of you're, you're really begrudging yourself. I think. Um, that at the end of your life in a way you know yeah i mean that's that's a um you know a whole other concept in the fact of also like judging the the collected works of an artist versus Mm -hmm. you know a singular piece of work i mean Mm -hmm. geez and that's that's a hollywood story in a nutshell right i mean you have look spielberg right you have incredible spielberg movies and then you also Mm -hmm. have some other movies that yeah you know maybe he loved more i I have no idea but um that were not as successful as say sure you know what saving private ryan for example right no i mean i always like think that like one of my favorite performances i mean i I, yeah i would say my favorite performances as an actor are are are, are without question in the movies that people don't know as well i mean i happen not to like my performance in saving private ryan i happen not to like my performance in days and confused but i mean that was like my first movie from you know beginning to end what about a beautiful mind were you happy there well, that felt more like a, eh, not really. I mean, like that was more like something I really wanted to do. I had to convince Ron Howard to kind of let me be in it. He kind of thought the part was too small. And I was like, this, I really want to do this. I was like really moved by the script, very fascinated by the subject matter. I was writing sure. my movie, I Love Your Work at the time, which was about, you know, very, um, this was kind of more like what the art, what the writer knows. I mean, it wasn't overtly about this, but about a schizophrenic actor. So mm-hmm. I kind of like... Um, uh, I was I just, you know, I really wanted to just participate in it. Um, I didn't necessarily think I was doing, you know, anything that was, that, you know. What about Fargo TV show? Fargo, I, I was pretty happy with. Um, that was, and that was one of the few instances where 
felt like I, 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 like where I worked very hard, I had to work hard on it because I had to, I mean, you know, I had to know a certain amount of sign language. And yeah, I was going to say that, that, you know, that just, you know, sort of forced me to, but, um, but yeah. And that was also by the, t- like, I, I, I think that over the years I just got to be a better actor, but I got to be a better actor doing things that, you know, fewer people would see. And so for instance, there's a movie called untitled, which is a very flawed movie, I think, you know, but I think is what is worth is worth seeing about a about a uh, a quote unquote new musician, you know, you know, does, you know, sort of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, postmodern, you know, neoclassical musician. OK. And uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's like probably one of my more sort of interesting performances. I mean, there, there, there are performances that I think that show sort of more sort of restraint and self-discipline just because I was a lot given the opportunity to, um, to, to be more restrained. I mean, it's, it's been, it's, it's mm. oftentimes I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of directed to be more uh, something that they saw when I was much younger and, and, uh, and that's always kind of a, it's a kind of, it's the equivalent of, you know, play your greatest hits. You know, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that really happens. That that happens a lot when you're when you're offered parts. You know, when you audition, it's different because, essentially, you've you've said this is what I can do for this role, and they've agreed upon it. But when you're offered something, who knows what they're basing it on? Oh, are you? You know, I'm not trying to get too inside baseball, but are you able to have? that conversation in which like, Hey, we want you to, I'm just making this up. We want you to be Jimmy from, from friends on this. Can you do that? Or are you like, no, like I read the script and I want to be, I don't know. Yeah. This I guy. mean, I've, yeah. I mean, I've had that have sort of have that conversation. I mean, I've sort of had to say like, uh, look, I'm kind of here because it's interesting to me to try and do this. If I just do that thing on this, you know, if you want me to do the same thing that you saw me do, in essentially the same role, what's the point? Yeah. What, what does anybody get out of that? I don't know. I mean... No, this is it, fascinating to me. I'm, the, I'm glad we're, we're discussing this. Yeah. Serious. I mean, uh, this is... That's really more for things that are like like more procedural types of, you know, t- you know, kind of TV shows and things like that. Sure. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's like... Uh, it's always interesting to me. Like, um, like with, you know, with, with, uh, with Fargo... Uh, Noah Hawley, who's the writer and creator of that show, he had h- hired me to do this show, The Unusuals, year, year, years before. Mm-hmm. And he had actually offered me the role of this hypochondriacal detective. And I read the script and I said, huh, you know, I like his partner better who's got a death wish. And he goes, all right, let me think about it. And he goes, OK, let me run it past the network. And they said, OK. And that was it. Now, I'm not saying that's what it's – it's actually very rarely like that. Um, but – um, there's an instance of a guy who had a who had an idea of what I could do and, and, and what he wanted, which was me to play a hypochondriacal detective. I mean, that sounds like it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You reading it and being like, ah, I don't know, I've done this too much. And I'd rather play this darker kind of um, guy with the death wish. And he literally just goes, okay, because he respects me as an actor. And that same guy said, I want you to play this, you know, this hitman who you know, with a deaf partner and speak sign language. And I had to say, okay, but I was in the middle of directing this, that, that was that same year. Uh, I was just referring to where I was, had directed, I was directing No Way Jose, this, my last film. And I, um, they wanted me to start the Thursday after the Sunday that I wrapped. Oh, wow. And, and I, I, No Way Jose, I'm in every single scene, but I don't know, one or something and directed it. And, uh, play music in it. I mean, it was fucking exhausting. And I had, you know, when you're directing a film and you have a day off, you're not, you don't really have a day off. You're not sleeping. You're working on shot listing or whatever. But on my days off, I was taking, you know, they flew in a, um, this one, uh, Catherine, who's, you know, fantastic. Who's a sign language, um, coach. And, um, and she was helping me learn ASL and, um, and I, I, I was, my, I was bleary eyed. I was glazing over. I was, I was, I was, mm. uh, I could barely keep my eyes open. And, and I, I don't know if I wrote to Noah or I told my manager, I just said, look, 
uh, I don't think I can do this. Like, I, I just don't think I can do it. It's going to be embarrassing for one. And, and, and secondly, it's going to dis be, it's going to dishonor ASL and it's going to like, it's just, it, it's just going to be. Have you seen be, the, the, have you seen your scenes? Yeah, yeah, but this is what I said initially. And then, and Noah said, look, you just got to get through Thursday and then you're going to have more time. And, uh, you just got to get through Thursday. Now, Thursday is my first scene that you see me in. It's actually probably the second biggest, second heaviest ASL scene in the series. But, uh, he's like, you just get through it and you can do it and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so again, Noah's, I mean, this is, not, you know, more often than not in, uh, in Hollywood, you know, you're just fighting your ass off for stuff. And here I am like turning down an opportunity to play a fucking hitman, you know, when that's mm. not something I would be widely considered, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be most people's first choice to do that, um, to, you know, take on this, 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 this pretty intense technical challenge. Um, and, and all the, and, and, and he was just like, you're going to do it. And so, I did it and, you know, and I ended up bringing, uh, uh, I ended up editing my Noé Jose in, a, in, in, in hotel rooms in Calgary while I was shooting Fargo. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I had plenty of days off, but there was no way I could bounce back and forth uh, as much as I needed to. And so I was, you know, editing in LA, I was editing it there, um, working with co-editors, sending each other material, and then, you know, having these sessions with Russell and with Catherine where we would, you know, rehearse every single scene before we did the scenes. It's, you know, the only time in television, this wasn't, this wasn't uh, scheduled. It was like, we just had to do it because otherwise, you know, I, I mean, I had to be taught the sign language. Um, and yeah, ultimately right. I was happy, but that is a very rare instance of all of those things kind of, uh, um, overlapping, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cause it, I mean, it was, it's, brilliant i mean you're even oh, from and i don't really pay too much attention to critics but that that was massively called out by tons and tons of critics of like the genius of casting you as that and and how you took oh, on the role thanks. i mean it was yeah it's excellent um, well yeah there was one thank you there's there's one of those uh i had to make a uh a real like to for an emmy an emmy submission so you know you don't usually sit there and kind of cut your well, I don't. I mean, obviously, people make reels, but right. Um, but I was somebody did, or maybe I did. Now I can't even remember. But we cut cut, cut a reel together of um, my scenes, and uh, and you know, looking at them all together, I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I ha- yeah, that, good. that's not bad. You know, um, and I've seen some other things where people have like cut all my entourage scenes together on YouTube or whatever. You know, and that was something where I was just like. I don't know what the fuck was going on at the time. <laughs> and I watched it all together. I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, um, that, that's great. I mean, I, I, I think just, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm really, really grateful for this conversation because I think it's extremely encouraging and inspiring in terms of just the creative process and what many people choose to latch onto or mm-hmm. choose to let go of to, to see the bigger picture, um, for lack of a better term. Well, it's funny, just as you said that Ben from Snake Oil just texted me the uh, an RRL cardigan. Oh, there you go. Yeah, what are you buying versus what are you wearing? Because very few people, I think, it actually intersects. Like for me, I've been wearing shorts and polo shirts or baggies and polo stuff every day, and I just got an Anderson Shepard sport coat delivered. I'm just like, what am I doing? I mean, one of the first things I got I remember, was this RGT uh, jacket that I had another I had in another material, and I was like, I'm. I don't, I'm not going out of the house. I mean, if I am, it's down the street and I don't want this. Yeah. I mean, um, well, look, a couple of things. I am like getting dressed every day. I, th- I think that's an important part of this experience. I mean, mm-hmm. both literally for anybody, whether you're into clothes or you're not. So I have found it to be something that actually motivates me to mm-hmm. kind of get dressed and create a day and create the feeling of, and sometimes, you know, you know, go swimming and then you change and change into something that you're going to want to wear at night. Um, so I've been wearing clothes, but I've obviously not been wearing a lot of, uh, like, you know, jackets and things. Right. I've not, you know, I just bought some, I've for years wanted these clinch boots and I finally got them from standard and strange, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm wearing sandals. So I have 70 <laughs> kinds, 70 fucking, I mean, I bought some, um, some of these zero, uh, Oh yeah. Very nice. Absolutely love. I got Visvim ones, which, uh, and I got a pair of fight ones and I've sort of been alternating those three. Um, cause I'm like, well, if I'm going to be 
that's going to be who I am now, then I'm going <laughs> to fucking do it with style and obviously um, spare no expense and deprive my children of their college education. Hey, there you go. Uh, who needs a 529? The education well, system will be blown up by then anyway. Well, and, and by, <laughs> who knows if they're ever going to go to school anyway. Um, sure. It's been... Um, Roxanne's just like, she's like, what is that? You know, they're just boxes just sitting there. And our, yeah. Luckily, she also been not so much, with, you know, but it's like we've just generally been ordering a lot of stuff because we're not going out. So it kind of gets mixed in with everything. So you kind of can't tell that yeah. I've been a fucking lunatic and she doesn't listen to this. She never listens to anything I do or whatever, you know, <laughs> sorts of things. So she won't. Um, no, but she knows what's up. I mean, she's because I'll come out of the bedroom. And she's like, what are you? Where did that? Um, you got to say, oh, I had this. Oh, this was in the back of the closet. I usually, sometimes I've gotten away with stuff. I'm like, no, I, I'm just rotating my wardrobe. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. But um, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, there's going to have, there's going to be a bigger than normal, like post quarantine sale that I will be, I'm sure it's, that's inevitable. That's that. It, yeah. But I do have, I do have, yeah, I, I will have more lightly worn <laughs> clothes than in the history of my life after this is, is, uh, is over. I mean, it's, I mean, talk about needing to delete something. It's deleting Instagram, man. I mean, that's really the thing that needs to be deleted. I mean, that's the elephant in the room for sure. I've, I turned off all of my notifications and then I like, opened up the app one night as I was going into bed and I saw I got tagged in a bunch of stuff. And then I was like, oh, someone was having this conversation and oh, and like I was involved in it. And I'm like, well, wait, this other guy like posted a thing and then he didn't tag me. And then I was mm-hmm. like, why didn't he tag? And I'm right. like, what the fuck? I'm like, this only happened because I chose to launch the app before I went to bed. Now my heart rate's like 180. My Apple watch is ringing off the thing. I don't know. I know. What the- <laughs> I know. No, it's, I, I, I mean, I have the thing that, you know, I have a, therapist and he's kind of largely a behavioral therapist and you know when i was a couple years ago we were talking about this and he was like you just literally need to put your phone if you can't if you don't feel like you can put it in another room put it across the room and i did this probably i lasted about a week um were you happier yeah i think i've always been happier if i've been disconnected or if i've been like if i'm working and i like uh, like that's how i know i'm working like if hmm. I, if I, you know, if I'm right, if, 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 if at the end of the day, there aren't, you know, 79 Instagram videos that I've made or whatever, <laughs> um, it's because I spent all day writing and, there you go. but if there are, then it's because I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying desperately to create, I'm trying to create art out of, you know, absolutely every single, you know, inch of existence. And that's just. It's not, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not healthy. I, I, I think I was always a shopping addict, but there was no, but my taste was too specific and there weren't any, there wasn't obviously as much, any media or as much media. Right. So, so there'd be like, oh, I like that shop. But once this whole world opened up to me and I realized, and then, and then, and then, and it's, and it's, and it's, infinite in terms of its accessibility mm-hmm. it was over I mean, yeah it was fucked and it was just like i was i was just like laying in wait you know yeah no i hear you on that there's been i i have like a separate account that i used to buy clothes or whatever and i'll just put a little bit of money in there and then when it's empty it's empty i'm like look oh, that's I, I can't a great idea there's no money in there sorry like i'm not gonna get you know a paycheck from it for another two weeks or another month. And so that's then a great idea. And that, that's helped me kind of curb some of the stuff. Cause I'll get things, you know, and every single person was doing a t-shirt for a charity or this, and I was mm-hmm. buying all of them. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what am I doing? And I'm like, well, and then I, things were bad when I messaged someone, I was like, cool, I'll buy the shirt. Mm-hmm. Is it okay if you just mail it to someone else? And mm-hmm. then I was like, Oh wait, that's not good either. Like I right, just right, wanted right. the experience to yeah. buy. Oh, I know. I oh, was I like fully have that. <laughs> Oh, I can tell. I can. I can. I can feel like the heart. My heart rate raise, and then and then the purchase, and then it drops. I mean, it's full on. That's full on addiction. I mean, there's. there's well, at least you're not on heroin. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> I tell my wife, I'm like, look, it's fine. It's a. It's this sport coat, but you know, I, I'm not doing blow in the bathroom. Right. And she's like, right. what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's but it's I. It's absolutely a, a completely uh, equivalent. 
Yeah. Know, it's it's affecting the exact same part of the brain, except yeah. for the except for obviously you know what what the chemical itself does um, yeah. to your brain in addition to the addiction. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, but yeah, I'll have a good collection. Yeah, uh, I'll, 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 we'll call it the quarantine collection. There you go. There you go. Yeah, let's do it. Well. Yeah. And this was a absolute pleasure. I, I well, really can't thank you enough for your time and absolutely, man. And for it, was, chatting. It's, it was it's a, a supreme pleasure, and I'm glad we got to do it again. Yes, as long as it took, I'm glad we we finally sat down and did it. All right. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. We're edited by Brendan Finn and produced by Blamo Media. You can follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. I know, I don't understand reviews, and you know what, I don't even make reviews, but thankfully someone tells me to review their show, and I do it. Do it for the B. Want even more Blammo? You can head over to patreon.com forward slash Blammo to join the Blam fam. Get access to additional interviews, which there are tons of now. A community slack where a bunch of goofballs are hanging out and talking about watches and clothes and all you name it. Special events and more. And best of all, you're supporting the show. So thanks everyone, we'll see you next week.